0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum
1: $10 per order. Additional terms apply. On the SDCCU fan hotline, Amy Trask, an analyst for CBS Sports and longtime, longtime NFL insider and expert is joining us on 97.3 The Fan of the Mornings. Amy, how are you doing today? And thanks for joining us.
2: Well, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And before we jump into this, I need to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. If it appears or sounds as if I've hung up on you mid-sentence, it's because we just rescued these two magnificent, itty-bitty little kittens from a shelter, and they are doing everything they can right now to eat through this phone cord. So hang up on you. That's why.
1: Okay, wait a minute. Why, Why do you have a phone with a cord?
2: Well, you know the earpiece thing, not the phone. F- okay, okay. You, know, okay, God, you goes, scared
1: yeah. me for a second there. I thought you were like I, landlined in somewhere, I, and I was going, whoa.
2: Excuse me, excuse me, men. I do have a landline. And when the big one hits, you're going to be thinking, we need to get up there to Amy's landline. No,
1: nope, that's why I learned how to use smoke signals. I am way ahead of all of you. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's let's start off with some, with what's going on right now in the NFL, and it is uh, I mean the owners' meetings are going on, and the Roger Goodell keeps coming out and saying, okay, well we're we're going to look at maybe uh, have having marijuana and allowing our players to use this. When the NFL, in your experience, says, hey, we're going to look into something, are they serious about it? And if they are, how long does it take them to actually look through it and come to a conclusion?
2: Well, let me answer that in three ways. Normally, um, you know, it certainly was my experience that the league does not announce or state publicly that it's going to look into something unless it really and truly is going to look into something because, you know, it's sort of fraught to announce that you will and not to follow through. Uh, number two, I hope the league makes this change. Look, men, for almost 30 years in the National Football League, I saw the lines of players before games, after games, lined up to use things far, far, far harsher on the body than some, some cannabis. And I know this, um, if I have a loved one who needs pain management and a doctor prescribes cannabis as opposed to something else, I'm all for that. Um, and number three, how long will it take? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised to see something done consistently with the next collective bargaining agreement.
1: Which is coming up after next year, correct?
2: Uh, I didn't do the math, but it's twenty. It's 2019 now. They're already involved in discussions. I think it's a year or so, yes.
0: So that would lead me to the next question, which why, why is it taking if, this? Don't,
2: if, don't, don't ever ask me to do math on air. That's <laughs> really dangerous for your broadcast license.
1: Well, someone's got to do it. It's not going to be us.
0: <laughs> why has it taken so long to get this to the, to the table in the first place? Is it what, what about the issue has, has led it to be handled the way the NFL has handled it, which is, which is immeasurably slowly?
2: Well, I don't think the league is that much different than large swaths of, of society as a whole in that regard. There seems to be a stigma that still exists. It's a stigma I don't believe should exist. Look, nobody who's in favor, or let me speak simply for myself, when I articulate that I would prefer to see players be able to use something like cannabis as opposed to much, much, much harsher drugs, opiates and other you know, non-opioids, um, i know i'm not alone in that but i'll speak only for myself i'm not suggesting that you walk into a locker room and it looks like an episode of scooby-doo we're (laughs) talking although that would be pretty fun um we're talking about medically prescribed marijuana and i really you know society has been very very slow or, or large swaths of society has been very slow to catch up to the fact that in my view, there really shouldn't be a difference between a doctor prescribing drug X and a doctor prescribing cannabis. And I know I take all kinds of teasing when I talk about that they say, oh, sure, she's from California. She lives at Venice Beach. She went to Berkeley. That's why she's in favor of this. But really, what is the difference if a doctor is prescribing something between using something far, far less, harsh on your body than what players are currently being prescribed.
1: Well, uh, I think that's also a dangerous thing to go down because we do know that a lot of teams will employ doctors who maybe don't have the, the greatest uh, intentions or the greatest morals. They want to get their guys back on the field and the doctors will take a kickback, but, but you're right. The evidence and the research and the science is out there that this is effective in helping people, not just professional athletes, but people who are dealing with severe pain and helping them get through it in a way that is much more beneficial than things like the like, like I said earlier, Percocet and Vicodin and some of these things, it can be incredibly chemically addictive. And again, the NFL working at the pace of Congress, it takes them a long time to be able to get any of this stuff done. So uh, how long then are we talking about this being something that that the NFL looks at as maybe well, maybe not even that? Why is the NFL who's supposed to be at the, at the forefront And it's supposed to be one of the biggest companies in America and it's supposed to be the number one league in North America. Why are they not pushing the envelope on something like this? Why are they not the leaders in something like this when they have an opportunity to be just that?
2: Well, you know, again, I don't think the NFL is different in that regard than many, many other swaths of society. And when you look around this issue in society as a whole, there are some extreme views on on sort of both ends of the spectrum and a lot in between. Um, historically, the NFL has been slow to move on a number of issues. I'm not sure that this one's any different than many of those other issues. And when I say slow, you know, sometimes slow is wrong. Sometimes slow is judicious. It depends on why an organization or an entity is being slow. I know this. Look, you know, I, let me compare it and contrast it. I'm working now with Ice Cube on whose new Big Three Basketball League. We're a startup when we want to make a change, when we want to make, um, whether it's a rule change or a policy change, we sit together and we make a change. In the National Football League, it starts at a committee and then goes to another committee and then goes to league staff and then goes to another committee and so on and so forth before it goes to the ownership as a whole. And by the way, um, didn't think of this when I brought it up, but the, the interesting segue or the interesting note here is we do allow players in the big three to use CBD and we have a sponsor in that regard. So, you know, it's a lot easier to move quickly when you are a very small, very progressive Startup entity than when you're old and old, you know, and I'm not talking ages of people, but of the organization stayed and, and have a very, very long process to make changes.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And, and speaking of kind of rule changes and shifts, uh, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and kind of discuss past interference because. I think what what we all saw in in the NFC Championship game we all know probably should have been pass interference and, and the NFL has reacted thusly they've they've changed some things when when the season gets underway in September what do you expect will be reviewable and what do you and how do you expect it will be challenges in coaches wise two minutes how will this this change be implemented?
2: Well, yes, it should have been called as pass interference. I'm not disagreeing with that. But it's not the only call of that nature or non-call of that nature. They go on in games all the time. That one was magnified because of the game in which it occurred and because of the time of the game in which it occurred and because an official was standing two inches from it looking at it. But it wasn't unique. Non-calls happen all the time. Um, I'm I'm watching this with a wary little skeptical eye because while we do want to use technology – to get as much right as possible, we also don't want to review every single play. So now the league is going to have to define what is a Hail Mary, and there's going to have to be a decision made as to can you challenge, you know, Hail Marys are inside of two minutes, and do you need to have an extra challenge? There's a lot to work out, and I, I am in favor of getting calls right, but we have to beware the law of unintended consequences.
0: Can you even get most pass interference calls, right, though? I mean, it's such a subjective call that it, that, it, that it seems like doing adding replay might only add a couple more layers to the discussion.
2: Well, that's a fair point. And by the way, you could say the same thing about holding. Yeah. I mean, there are players in the league who will tell you you could call holding on almost every single play. So referees, officials use their discretion as to whether to call holding or not. Um, you know, one thing that I think is interesting about this is there hasn't been a rejuvenation, if you will, or a resurgence of the discussion, should defensive pass interference go to a 15-yard penalty rather than a spot foul? And I, I waffle on that. I, have, um, I see merit to both, but I, I, I do know that if it wasn't a spot foul, this might be evaluated differently.
1: That's a very good point. They're talking about instead of a fifty-yard penalty, it's a fifteen-yard penalty, and nobody is really getting all that much much more upset about it. Amy Trask, analyst for CBS Sports, joining us here on ninety-seven three in the morning. Um, so let's talk about the Raiders because you, you know a little bit about them, and because we look at—I mean—a lot of Raiders fans down here in San Diego, and we look at what John Gruden and Mike Mayock are doing, and. Do do they know what they're doing? Because I don't think anybody down here is quite certain what they're doing.
2: Well, look, John is is a good coach, and I think the addition of Mayock is is a positive. I've known Mike for many many years. Mike will speak his mind. Now, Mike was very very clear when he took the job. He articulated publicly that he understands. John Gruden is in charge of the Raider organization. He is making final decisions, not just on, on game day, but on the roster and, and many, many, many other regards that aren't even visible to, to the public. So Mayop gets that. The reason I note that is it's not going to deter Mike, in my view, from speaking his mind. And that's important. I believe that Mike will disagree with John when Mike wants to. Mike will assert the reasons why he's disagreeing. He understands that ultimately John is making all the decisions for that organization. But Mike can prove to be a good balance in that regard. Because when someone's making all the decisions they need to have on staff, people who will disagree with them when they think they're wrong. And I think that was missing in the Raider organization. So I think Mike will add that.
1: It's, it's very difficult, though, in the NFL for a coach to also be playing the role of general manager and making all those decisions. Mike Holmgren couldn't do it. Andy Reid couldn't do it. Pete Carroll needed help doing it. I mean, Bill Belichick may be the only guy who, who was even on that same kind of a level, and he still has a good working relationship with the most, most of his general managers. Is John Gruden a guy who can, as good a coach as he is, can anybody in today's NFL, with how much you have to know and how much you have to pay attention to, handle both roles effectively enough to be a winning franchise
2: well you pointed out some terrific examples um, of areas in which it has not worked and i was smiling waiting for you to name bill belichick because he does it magnificently so as to oakland we shall see but you're right you're absolutely right there is a lot of work that goes into each of those roles and it's rare that we can see someone do both rows well we'll see
0: before we get out of here, I want to ask you about the Jets because obviously they're they're probably one of the more interesting teams in recent weeks. Where where do they stand now in terms of uh, in terms of looking for a general manager and what their what their leadership structure might be at the start of the twenty nineteen season?
2: You know, ha- can I turn for one moment? Can I revert to the girl who went to law school? And when you say leadership structure, objection, your honor, assumes a fact not in evidence. Fair. Um, we- <laughs> um, sorry, I just had a little flashback. You know, sustained. There, it remains. Oh, nicely done, and I got my objection sustained and everything. It's going to be a good day. I watch a lot of Perry Mason. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see it unfold. Um, there were all the rumblings and allegations when the Raiders hired Gruden that they um, dishonored the spirit and the intent of the Rooney rule. So I think given that there's going to now be extra focus on the Jets to see whether or not they honor the Rooney rule, not just in sort of perfunctory form, but going through it, um, you know, in good faith. And whether one thinks the Rooney rule is a good idea or not, because I'm sure you have listeners, some of whom who like it, some of whom don't. It is a rule. And if you're going to have a rule, you need to honor it in good faith. So a lot of attention on the Jets to see if they do that.
1: Awesome. Amy Trask, CBS Sports Analyst, great stuff as always. Thank you very much, and uh, tell your kitties thank you very much for not getting through that cord in time for us to get through uh, all that awesome information you gave us. I appreciate it.
2: And, and, well, thank you, and I will tell them. And by the way, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to see if there have been any tweets while I was on because everybody, if there were any tweets, I didn't do them. The kittens did.
1: Okay, well then I'm sure that uh, Autocorrect probably helped him out and you're going to have a lot of Purina delivered to the house. (laughs) They probably got on the Amazon app at the same time.
2: You know, you are just off the charts with it today. And thank you for sustaining my objection, you guys.
1: We're on it all the time. Amy, thank you much. Thanks. Uh, That was Amy Trask, CBS Sports on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. We get it. Attention
0: spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?